Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I am chatting with Kelsey Runge, who has done so many really kind of interesting and fun and strategic things to propel and advance her career to a senior designer at the age of 27, such a young age to be in this type of a role in such a competitive space. But when you listen to Kelsey's story and you hear all the things that she's done from the day that she got her first internship while she was still in school, she got an internship at Under Armour and she very strategically built relationships and kickstarted her career super strong from that. She now works designing women's motorcycle apparel, which is amazing and phenomenal. And the effort that Kelsey puts into her design process really, really should be something that you pay attention to. She's one of the most thoughtful and mindful designers that I've spoken with and have met over the years in terms of the attention to detail and just how she dives really, really deep into her passion for what she does for her career in fashion. So I know you guys are going to love her interview and there's so many great takeaways, really interesting strategies that you can use to advance or kickstart your career as a fashion designer. Now, before we dive into the interview, I want to remind you guys that SFD is way more than just a podcast. I have tons and tons and tons of free content and tutorials and templates and books on things like Illustrator for Fashion, creating tech packs, getting your first or next freelancing client, landing your dream job, and so much more. And I hear all the time that people have learned more from my free resources than they did in four years of fashion school. Aye, aye, aye. Okay, so here's what I did. I put together my best free content just for you as a podcast listener to help you get ahead in your fashion career, and I would love to email it to you right now. So take 30 seconds, hit pause on this episode, and head on over to SoHeidi.com slash email for instant access to my best free stuff. Again, that's SoHeidi.com slash email. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. As always, you can access the scroll notes by the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening and always give a nice plug out to Instagram. If you are not into the email list, that's totally fine, but definitely give me a follow on Instagram. I'm over there at at so Heidi. All right, now let's jump into the interview with Kelsey. Welcome Kelsey to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Um, can you please start out by letting everyone know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry? Absolutely. So my name is Kelsey Runge, and I am currently a senior designer at a company called Climb, and it is located in Rigby, Idaho. Awesome. Okay, so what is Climb? Because I won't lie, I had to look it up before. (laughs) I didn't know what it was, but it's so cool and so niche and interesting. So tell everybody what it is. 
Absolutely. So, um, yeah, don't, don't be offended by that because basically nobody knows who we are unless you're into like the hardcore sports that we designed for. Um, so we started out as a snowmobiling company. Um, and now we do a snowmobiling motorcycle and off-road dirt bike here. Um, and we're located in Idaho. So snowmobiling and motorcycle riding is basically, it's a big playground out here for all of that. Um, so there's a little bit of it on the East coast, but we're international. So we do a lot of sales in Canada and Europe as well. Um, now we're global. We're like all over the world. So, um, it's, we're a huge company in the space that we're in. Uh Um, so yeah, it's, it's really awesome to work for climb. That's super cool. So where did your fashion career start? Did you go to school or what was the beginning? Yeah, sure. So, um, I did go to college for apparel design. Um, I took, so my college career is a little bit of a story itself, but I actually got a full ride to play division one volleyball at Louisiana, um, right out of high school. So I went there because they had a fashion design degree. They also had volleyball and I was offered a scholarship. Um, and my funny story is that I got there, I played my freshman year and then that year they decided to drop the whole fashion program. So I was stuck with the decision to keep my D1 scholarship and switch my major or transfer so I could continue doing apparel design. Um, so I transferred and it was a huge decision at the time. Yeah, Uh, that does sound like a big moment. What did you decide? Um, I decided that I wanted to design apparel when I was about eight years old. Ah. So I started drawing clothes. It's kind of funny because I started out like when I was in high school and stuff, I was always wanting to design like bridal wear or like more high fashion, uh, kind of thing. And it just kind of worked out for me that I went the total opposite direction. (laughs) And now I design like highly technical (laughs) motorcycle gear. It is the literally a 180. Yeah. And there's actually kind of a story behind like how that happened too, but I ended up transferring to Buffalo state in New York. Um, and I, I still played volleyball, but I dropped to division three to play for them. And then they had an amazing fashion program. So that was kind of the driving force behind that decision. Um, so I did, uh, graduate with a degree in apparel design and textile technology. Okay. You're not the first, uh, collegiate volleyball player that we've had on the show. Oh, cool. Apparel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marissa Borelli from one of the very early episodes. Um, not totally the same story as you, but very similar. She went to college for volleyball and I was also doing fashion and stuff. So it's just kind of funny side note. Um, what made you decide on Buffalo? Did you do some research and, and realize that they had a good program or how'd you pick that out of Louisiana and where were you originally based? Okay. Yeah. So I'm originally from Ohio, so nowhere near either of those places really, but, um, I did graduate high school from Ohio and, um, I started, uh, at school in Louisiana about two weeks after I graduated high school. So I was just out of there. My mom was just like torn apart. Like I was just (laughs) gone. Um, but yeah, so I decided on Buffalo mainly because when you narrow down the amount of schools that have volleyball and a good fashion design degree, Ah. there really aren't that many. (laughs) Um, so I had to like rule out basically every art school there is. So it it just made the decision. Um, it was kind of like, here's the options. And then just reaching out to coaches and trying to figure out like who had a spot for me at the time. So Um, and I actually studied abroad in Italy the summer between Louisiana and Buffalo. So I lived in Florence, Italy for about four months that summer. Yeah. And so where are we at in the timeline? When did you, when did you graduate from Buffalo? So I graduated college. I was, uh, technically in 2013, I ended up graduating a semester early. Um, so my senior year I ended in December. Um, and then I started working for Under Armour uh, about two weeks later, like January 6th. 
So Okay, so talk us through that yeah. because that's pretty quick, like graduation yeah. to job. You don't always hear that story in the fashion industry. So how did that happen? Yeah, um, it was actually a weird statistic because out of my graduating class from Buffalo, I think I was one of like five people that ended up working in in the degree, like in the industry right out of college. So that was pretty cool to be a part of that. But um, so kind of how that went is um, my junior year of college, my advisor, Lynn Burady, she is amazing. I love that woman. But she convinced me to apply for the YMA Fashion Scholarship Fund. And what is that? Um, so it, it's the, um, so the FSF is the fashion scholarship fund. So it's like the biggest, um, like fashion scholarship provider in the country. Okay. And they, um, had, you had to do a big project, write a big paper. Like it was a very intense scholarship application. Um, but I ended up getting it. So that was amazing to put on my resume. And then she kind of sat me down one day and she was just like, hey, like, what do you want to do after this? <laughs> um, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I was the volleyball player that showed up to class in my sweatpants, and yeah. I was such a tomboy. And <laughs> so she kind of sat me down, and she's like, she's like, why don't you just blend the two things that you love most and work for a company like Under Armour who has, you know, apparel design but is part of, like, an athletic wear company? Um, so I, I sat down with her, and she convinced me to apply for the internship. So that's where it all started because I ended up being the only um, intern, design intern for Under Armour that summer, and I, in, I got the internship. So I ended up interning for them, um, and I was in the men's golf department as this a design is the, intern. The summer before your senior year. Correct, yeah. Okay. So between junior and senior year, I ended up getting the internship at Under Armour um, for men's apparel design. Um, which was huge because that definitely kickstarted my whole career. <laughs> yeah. So, and you think that that um, FSF Fashion Scholarship Fund on your resume had something to do with it? Oh, absolutely. Like having that in my back pocket and then also being a college athlete, I think mm. those were two things that Under Armour kind of, you know, I, I fit into the culture and I think those kind of stood out like amongst all of the applications for apparel design, like I had those two things on my resume. Um, so I do think it helped me a lot. Yeah. So yeah. tell, um, because a lot of people out there listening are in college or yeah. are on their way to go to college. Um, and we have many graduates as well, but, um, definitely some people right in that space. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, getting that scholarship because someone out there listening could think, Oh wait, maybe I could do that. So, you said it was a very intensive process and it sounds like it's probably pretty competitive. What yeah. do you think got you that opportunity? Um, I kind of credit all of that back to my advisor. She just pushed me so hard and yeah. she told me about it. And um, there was a group of people in the in my class that ended up applying for it. And me and one other uh, girl ended up getting it. But um, it just... <laughs> it was so long ago. I just feel, I feel <laughs> like it was one of those things, like I knew like if I'm going to get this, then I need to put a lot of effort into this application and I need to, you know, spend the time necessary in order to stand out. Um, and I was just so competitive in college. I think <laughs> being an athlete and just like knowing exactly what I wanted to do my whole college career, I think all of those things helped me. Um, I was just so driven and I just, I was one of those people where like, I did not accept anything but the best from myself. So okay. um, I spent so much time on that. Um, and I was also playing volleyball and still going to classes. Like I was, I mean, in college, I, I would like cry every Thursday. I was so exhausted. Oh. 
I mean, were uh, you like sleeping or not, not much? I mean, like not much. No, <laughs> no, I just, I was just so busy, but I also kind of thrive off of that. And I, yeah. I know like during my time working for Under Armour, um, it was such a fast paced environment. And so I think having those qualities helped me at that position yeah. as well. Um, cause I could just thrive off of all the crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did not, I spent a lot of time just really focused on my career in college, which I think is only super doable. If you know what you want to do, it's so much harder if you're still trying to decide. So I think knowing what I wanted to do at an early age definitely helped me. And even though you had originally sort of had this dream of doing bridal or something yeah. of that in that realm, your advisor had kind of inspired you to go this other sort of active wear yeah. direction. And so that definition and that sort of vision helped you kind of focus and stay on track to make all these things happen. Is that oh, what I'm hearing? absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because once I realized, I was like, you know, you're right. Like I could be really good at designing like active wear because I participate in the activity. So I know exactly what it would take to design these things. And I think, so I ended up when I got hired back at Under Armour, um, I actually networked with the outdoor department while I was an intern for golf. Um, I knew out of all of the categories Under Armour provided, golf was probably my last choice. (laughs) Um, So I started networking with other departments and I discovered the hunting and fishing department. And I grew up in like small town Ohio. Like I got my hunting license when I was like 12. Wow. So I was also a hunter. And so I kind of discovered that department and I was like, oh my gosh, this is right up my alley. Like everything's camo. (laughs) Um, like I said, I'm such a tomboy. So this whole thing, when I told my dad I wanted to school, go to school for apparel design, he just kind of laughed, like shook it off. He's like, she's going to grow out of this. Yeah. Like never thought I'd actually do it. Um, so yeah, so I ended up getting hired back to do the hunting and fishing lines for him. And I did that for about four years. Okay. So before we get to that though, so you had yeah. this internship doing men's golf, which random side note, that was a majority yeah. of my career. I did quite a bit of men's golf. Funny. Oh, cool. And, um, uh, you said you networked with the other department, and I, we've had countless guests on the show who've talked about how they've built their career through networking and friendships and relationships and that sort of stuff. But can you be a little more tangible in terms of like what exactly were you doing? Were you popping over there on your lunch break and just yeah. chatting, or like what did that look like? Yeah, so almost exactly like that. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I discovered where they were located and. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I did, which I kind of chuckle about now, is um, we had a printer that we were supposed to use for, like, the golf department, and I would purposefully print to the one and outdoor (laughs) just so I could, like, walk through. And and I, yeah, I I found out who was, like, the design manager of the department, um, who you'll kind of, we can talk about this more later, but he's actually my boss here at Climb. It's kind of how I ended up out here. But, um, yeah, so he was the design manager of hunting and fishing over there, so I kind of, like figured out who that was. And then I started like trying to have conversations with him here and there. Like I, everyone's busy. So you don't want to take up too much of someone's time. Right. So, um, what I also started to do was just like in my spare time, I would find like inspiration for hunting designs and stuff like that. And I would print them to that printer. And then I would like (laughs) drop them off at his desk and be like, Hey, I found these things like kind of randomly, like thought you, whatever. So it was just kind of, um, I wanted him to remember who I was because I knew when I went back to apply for the position, I knew that's where I wanted to be. So I wanted him to like know my name, know who I was and like realize that I was an intern there. So he knew when I applied that I kind of had experience with the company already. Um, So I just kind of, I was a little sneaky. 
kind of. And it sounds like, cause I know I've, a lot of people I've talked to have done this sort of networking thing and they've done it just out of second nature, but it sounds like you were very strategic about your actions. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I just knew that's the department that I would want to be in. And so yeah. I, I just was like, how do I make this happen without being like, annoying, you know? I love this Um, printer trick. I'm like still chuckling over it. (laughs) Yeah. I was a little sneaky about it, but, and then I started to kind of like try to be friends with people that design in that department just so I could like get lunch with them and ask them questions. Like what is the, your life like on the other side of the wall over in hunt compared to what I'm doing here? And just, just so I knew it was what I really wanted to do. Um, cause as much as I wanted them to know me, I also wanted to make sure I knew it was what I wanted. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a lot of trying to make friends and <laughs> make sure people remembered who you were. Yeah, and I love like printing off some stuff that you're like, hey, look, here's some ideas I came up with. Just wanted to share them with you. Like giving them a yeah. little piece of value yep. um, and showing like what your eye looks like as a designer and just really casually printing it on their side of the office and dropping yep. it off. <laughs> Very casually, <laughs> yes. Okay, so then you finish your senior year and you graduate, and like two weeks yeah. later, you have this. Op- you're, you're starting in the hunting department at Under Armour. When did you apply, and like how did that process go? Yeah, so um, my networking and my sneakiness super. It really worked out for me because I realized um, it was at the beginning of that final semester where the same advisor, Lynn Budrady, she sat me down and she's like hey, do you realize you're like four credits away from graduating early? And I was like, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) So I had no idea. Um, And I think that was credited to doing the study abroad program and everything as well. So I had to backtrack a little bit. And then like after the internship, I had to go back and take that as credit because you had to do the internship or the fashion show. And the fashion show takes place in the spring. So if I wanted to graduate early, I had to opt out of doing that and count my internship. So I was able to do that, and then I also took an extra class, and I was able to graduate early. So the second that I realized that was going to happen, I actually reached out to um, Robert Keithley, who's my boss now, and he hired me there at Under Armour, and I told him, like, straight up, like, hey, if you remember me, because it it was so nice that it was so quickly after I had left that I knew I was going to graduate early, so I just kind of, like, gave him the note, like, hey, I'm going to end up graduating early. I would love to come back and work for you guys. Like, this is my graduation date. Like, please keep me in mind if you have an open position. Um, and it, it kind of went from there. Um, he ended up having an open position, and he sent me the link to the application, and he ended up hiring me pretty quickly. Yeah. So I do think I got a little lucky on some terms. Like, yes, I worked very hard, but I think it just kind of worked out for me. Um, and I think it's rare that you – graduate with a design degree and you want to go design hunting and fishing gear (laughs) like I think that separated me a little bit which he probably appreciated so yeah okay so um there wasn't even like I mean you did wind up doing the application but at first you just took the initiative in your own hands and reached out and said hey I'm available what what can we do Yep. And he, um, I kept in contact with him. I was, I, you know, every couple of weeks I would send him an email and make sure they didn't forget about me. And what then I ended of, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wait, hold on. I, what kind yeah. of stuff were you emailing him? So this is, you had your internship in the summer, you wound up graduating yeah. in December. So this was pretty short, like six months or so. Yep. Um, and, and so throughout that time you were emailing him every few weeks. What were you saying in those emails? It, it was just like, um, kind of basic stuff like, Hey, is there anything like I could be doing to prep me for 
um, potentially working there? Or, you know, is there anything I should be focusing on this semester that would help me start out when I get there? Ah. Like I was trying to like kind of speak to him as if like, Hey, I'm coming back. So like, (laughs) please remember me. And like, what can I do now? Um, or just things like how my volleyball tournament went, like, Hey, I'm still on track to graduate, won our volleyball tournament. Like, uh, just to keep me in his mind, you know what I mean? I didn't want him yeah. to figure it out me. I didn't want him to have an open position and just fill it with somebody immediately available. Yeah. Like I wanted him to know like, Hey, I'm still serious. Like I still want this. Uh, please don't forget about me. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I think those like continual touch points are so, I mean, that's what, you know, it's a very marketing term touch point, but like just kind of pinging someone periodically. And sometimes it's like more personal. Like you said, Oh, Hey, just saying hi. Like we want our volleyball tournament. Just want to check and make sure everything's good. And sometimes more like maybe taking the opportunity to pick his brain or, and just show him that like, I'm still working really hard and I want to make sure I'm prepared, which shows that you're very driven. And honestly, that's the type of people that brands want to hire. So um, yeah, very smart. This was, I mean, (laughs) I don't hear a ton and you were doing this very consciously. It was, and maybe it's also in your nature, but I don't interview a ton of people who were that consciously strategic at that young of an age. Yeah. Were you, yes. were, was your advisor kind of helping you behind the scenes on some of this? Um, after the internship, I think I gained a lot of confidence as far ah. as like my career went. And she, I definitely talked to her. I still talk to her today. She, yeah. I keep her updated on life and she's just like still a part of my life. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was just able to kind of like take that confidence and run with it. And I knew, I just knew what I wanted. I think that's the biggest, the biggest key point here is it was just like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I'm just somebody that doesn't give up on it. So (laughs) it just, yeah, I, I really wanted to be successful and I just knew I was going to be happy there. So, yeah. Okay. So you got the job, um, literally like straight from school to the workforce, like barely a minute to like catch your breath over Christmas and the holidays (laughs) and, um, which probably worked well for your personality. Yeah. I mean, I was off. Yeah. I was was off. We won our conference for the first time in Buff State history that year. So it was an amazing volleyball season. And I was just like, I graduated right after the season was over. And then two weeks later I moved to Baltimore. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so you you were there in the in the hunting and fishing department for four years, yep. the full time. Yeah, uh, okay. it was probably a little bit closer to three because okay. I kind of include my internship in that time oh, frame. Sure, sure, like sure. I was there for four years, but okay. I kind of throw yeah. So it was a little closer to three, probably. And what was that like? What? Where did you start? Like, what role did you start in? And then what happened over those three years? Yeah, so I was an assistant designer for hunting and fishing. Um, when I started out, so I was labeled assistant designer, um, within a year I got promoted to designer. So that was incredible. Um, and then I was there for, yeah, like two more years. I absolutely loved that job. I still kind of think that hunting gear is probably my dream job. (laughs) I I loved doing it so much. Um, and I really liked working at Under Armour. I love the culture. I love how, like, there's easy to make friends because a lot of people there have like similar interests. Um, and I loved being in the outdoor department specifically. We were kind of separated off from like everyone else in training and football and all that stuff. Um, so we were kind of like our own little thing. And I, I really liked that because I was like at a big company, but it still kind of felt like a small department. Um, so that was really neat. And I liked doing like the highly technical gear and especially cause it was something that I participated in. Yeah. So I really did enjoy it. Yeah. It was awesome. 
That's so cool that you like found this, this like really niche, but so perfect match for you. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel now about climb, but I'm sure we'll get there. But I just feel like I've done a really good job of, um, like finding apparel design positions in a field that deals with something that I do, like an activity that I love. Right. And I think that's ultimately what has helped me be so passionate about what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, because I participate in the activity. So I want it to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So um, you said after the first year at Under Armour, you went from assistant designer to designer. Um, yeah. What, how did you secure that uh, advancement? Was it as strategic as some of the stuff you had done <laughs> to get your foot in the door in the first place? Yeah, I think it was more that I came in as an assistant designer doing a designer's role. Like there wasn't a lot of designers um, in Huntfish at the time. So I started out like automatically like designing the whole line almost. And it was, I quickly realized that I was doing a lot more than the other assistant designers that I knew at the company. (laughs) So I was like, dang guys, like, and it was just so busy. Like my first year I worked harder than I've ever worked before. And I was staying late. Like I, and I, I had, um, a boyfriend at the time who's now my husband and he was long distance. He was back in Buffalo. Uh, we did that for about a year and a half. We were like long distance from Buffalo to Baltimore. And I, so I was there by myself and I stayed late every night and I like barely slept kind of situation because I wanted to do so good. And I was just so determined to like, I don't know, do a designer's role, right? Like I was like, I, I, they had given me so much work up front where I like felt like I needed to prove myself and I did apparently. Yeah, <laughs> so, very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then did you just ask for the promotion or the transition to, and the kind of, you kind of said, you're like, okay, how did yeah, you do I that? Asked for it. Um, it, it was kind of along the same like strategic lines that I had done before. I was <laughs> just kind of, I sat down my boss and I was like, listen, like I know my value here. I know what I'm doing for the company and this is what I feel like I deserve. Um, and he was very open about it. He's like, yep, I agree with you. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it worked out really well and he promoted me, um, probably because he didn't want to lose me. (laughs) I I think he was like, yep, I need to keep this girl here. So, um, and it worked. I like, I like working for him obviously because I still work for him. Yeah. I mean, it takes some courage and confidence to sit down and say, I know my value and I'm worth this. I think, you know, in the fashion industry and, and, you know, arguably, I think it can happen amongst women a little bit more just based on, yep. you know, sheer genetics, what have you. Um, we can tend to get a little mousy when it comes to those conversations or feel like we're not worth it. And you just, you just kind of knew it or maybe some of that yeah. confidence had come from like the sports stuff or I don't know. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's in my personality. I okay. think I just, I've always been kind of strong-willed and okay. determined and I just... Yeah, I've always, like, I've never been afraid to, like, ask for something that I deserve or speak up when I know something needs to be done. So I just, yeah, I, I guess I just, one day I, it came to me, like, you need to do this or you're, you know, you're just going to think about it every day, like, take action <laughs> and, you know, make it happen and you can move on, so. Yeah, no, and I'm a firm believer in, like, you have to ask for what you want. You have to ask for the promotion. You have to ask for the advancement opportunity. You have to put yourself out there, but it can sometimes be easier said than done. 
Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but you did it and it worked. And so then you you worked as a designer there, and then and and so that lasted a few more years. So now we're maybe like 2016, 17 ish. Uh, yep, yep. It was and, been sixteen, I think. Okay, and is this yeah. with the time when you moved to to climb? Yep. Yeah. So um, ultimately, like, there wasn't a lot about Under Armour that I didn't like except for that I just worked all the time, like all <laughs> the time. Like it was hard to have a life outside of that. But yeah. I think the main reason that I decided to move was ultimately because I didn't like Baltimore that much. Um, it, I wanted to live in the city and I enjoyed it for the time that I was there, but I'm like a small town girl at heart and I love the mountains and I snowboard and I like hunting and all these things. And I just felt so claustrophobic in the city Um, so I was just kind of over Baltimore at the time. And so my boss now here at Climb, he hired me at Under Armour. Um, he's, he worked for Climb prior to going out to Under Armour and he had come back to Climb about a year and a half before I quit. Okay. Um, so he, you know, contacted me every once in a while and was like, Hey, like, you know, I could use someone out here. (laughs) Like, Um, so he was kind of doing that to me then. And I was like, oh man. (laughs) Um, and I was like, no way I'm not leaving under armor. This place is awesome. You know? And I knew how, how blessed I was to have gotten that job out of college. So I didn't want to like give up on that yet. Um, and then, yeah, one day I was just like, I don't know, like, you want to move to Idaho? And my boyfriend was like, yeah, let's go. (laughs) I guess he was my fiance by that point. So Um, but yeah, he's like, yeah, let's go. So I came out here for the interview and I just fell in love with the area and we have always wanted to move out West. So I was like, Hey, he's, he needs me and I love working for him. And this seems like a really cool opportunity. So let's go. Yeah. How did you, um, prepare for the interview? Because climb is, you know, there's parallels, but it's not hunting and fishing. It's right. arguably maybe more technical, um, I yep. would guess. So did you like put together some special pieces for your portfolio? And, and obviously you were going into it with someone you'd already worked with. Like on one level, it was a shoe in perhaps, right. but well, tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a shoe in. Like I still feel like I had to work for the interview and everything like that. Um, and I was a little nervous about it because like motorcycle and snowmobile gear wasn't something I had done before, but it's also such, it's another very niche kind of category. Um, it's kind of like hunting and fishing was. So, um, I prepared for it by making sure I brought like the most technical of the gear that I had designed for Under Armour, like all of my most technical hunting gear I brought out with me. And I just tried to show them like, like, yes, I can sit here. Like if you give me a problem, like I will sit here and I will think of solutions and, I kind of went through that process of like, this is why I like designing technical gear because it's not always about the looks like, yes, it has to look good. And I like that part of it too, but it's always function first. Like you have to be able to draw your bow and your jacket and you have to be able to, you know, and so it's always like problem solving first, like function first. And then once you get that nailed, then how can I also make this look good and be appealing to a consumer? And I love that aspect of design. So it, it just translated perfectly over to climb. Um, but yes, I already knew my boss and he had kind of asked me to come out. So it was, 
another easy process. I feel like I've had it so easy. <laughs> no, but you haven't. No, 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 but you haven't though. I mean, clearly you've talked about like how hard you were, you've worked and, and I, I, you know, I want to get into a few more details on that level, but yeah, no, it's not, you've not had it easy. Um, <laughs> so, so you brought some technical pieces and the yeah. most technical that you had, did you like do any sketches or like bring any inspiration or mood boards or um, flat drawings or anything? Yeah, I didn't really have time to do that. I know um, he needed me pretty quick. He had ha- the motorcycle designer that was currently at Climb had left and gone to Harley, so he needed somebody like fast. And okay. so it was a very quick process. Like okay. by the time I was like, "Yeah, I'll come out for an interview," like I put in my two weeks, probably four or five days later, and wow. it was very fast. It was very very fast. So, and I think him having been my manager prior to he already knew like my level of ability. Um, so I, I think that helped me as far as interviewing went, it was kind of more just like convince everybody else that I'm good and I want to move out here, (laughs) which I think they struggle with because like not a lot of people, especially apparel designers are like, yeah, let's move to Idaho. Like, (laughs) so I think they were just kind of excited that I even wanted to come out. You were like so excited. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They were like, all right, let's snatch her up. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, most cases, like I know a lot of the designers we've hired since we, we do give them projects and they have to complete like a little design project. And, um, I did have like an online port an online portfolio that I presented when I interviewed. Um, but yeah, it was mostly at that point, just making sure that I would fit in and then kind of trying to understand who I was as a person and would they want to work with me? Cause it's such a small, it's a lot smaller of a company. So it's, you can adapt to like the technical gear that you're designing, but they need to make sure that you're going to fit in like personality wise too. So I think it was, the interview was a lot more of that for me, I think, but. Okay. Yeah. So it all happened super, super fast. And, um, and you gave your two weeks and then you just up and moved. And how did that all go? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hectic. Stressful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it was a little, it was awesome. I, it was hard leaving Under Armour. I did have a lot of really good friends there, and I, I knew that that was, like, my dream job, but I was just so ready to get out of the city. Like, my boss at the time um, kind of told me, like, you know, if I felt like money could get you to stay, I, I you know, I might try to do something, but it sounds like you're mentally kind of already in the yeah. mountains. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> like, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, um, so he just kind of let me go, and we've kept in touch and stuff. Like, I talked to a lot of people I used to work with and intern with, um, still to this day. And it's crazy. Cause I know in the fashion industry, like one thing I've realized is in order to like advance and like move up in the totem pole, it is a lot easier to do that if you jump around, which is kind of sad for our industry. Like yeah. it would be nice if you could stay in one place and make it as far as you want to go. But realistically, like you do kind of have to jump around a little bit. So most of my friends I worked with at Under Armour are elsewhere now. So Yeah. That's interesting because I've heard I I hear I get a fair amount of um people emailing me with their current uh situation and a lot of times I hear the I worked at this place for 20 years and now they shut down and it's like what do I do because their network was essentially in the job that is now gone. Um, so it's interesting just kind of parallels with what you're saying is it's almost like, yeah, okay, you stay somewhere for three or four years, you move, you stay somewhere for three or four years, you move, but that just gets you to know a bunch of people who then go to a bunch of places and it just grows like tree branches. Yep. Yeah. And I think 
it's like, it's so competitive in our field too, that, um, I do think the easiest way to advance in this career is to kind of experience different companies and get a lot. Like now I can say I have like a very large corporate company, like Under Armour on my resume. And then I also have this smaller company, um, that's not so corporate and I have both experiences now. So I think that's definitely an advantage, um, for wherever I go next, because I understand both sides of the industry, um, which is going to be really good for me, hopefully. We'll get back to this episode in 20 seconds, but real quick, did you know that the SFD podcast is sponsored by you? We don't interrupt your listening experience with ads and instead rely on your support. There are three ways you can do that. One, tell a friend about the podcast. Two, sign up for the email list at soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash email. Three, write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for supporting the SFD podcast. Now back to the episode. So you mentioned that you still keep in touch with a lot of the people at Under Armour. Like, what yeah. do you do to maintain those relationships? Because something um, that I know people find really challenging is, like, finding the time or, like, what do I actually say to them? Or, like, <laughs> what does that actually look like? Are you just, like, kind of pinging them on LinkedIn or do you text? Or, like, what what do those relationships really look like for you? Sure, yeah. So I think it's so much easier these days with like Instagram and everything to keep in touch with people. Cause you just kind of know, like I'll get on and be like, Oh man, like my friend moved to Nike last week. And now they're, and it's just kind of easy to keep kind of in touch with people. Um, but like, I also created good and like strong enough friendships where, um, my best friend from Under Armour still works for them, but she's working remotely out of Austin, Texas. And I was like her maid of honor. So in Texas. So we just kind of keep in touch. Like she came out to Idaho and she was in my wedding as well. So we are just like really good friends. But, um, yeah, I think just like, I'm used to having to maintain long distance relationships. Cause I feel like I've been doing it my whole life. <laughs> um, like all of my family is in I- or Ohio. And then I was long distance in my actual relationship for about a year and a half. And like all of my husband's family is in Buffalo. And I mean, I made friends in Baltimore. I made friends from Louisiana. I made friends. Like, I, I just feel like everyone in my life is somewhere else at this point. So, um, it just kind of became a part of me to make sure that I kept those connections strong because even though I live so far away, like I still miss my family. Like, I think some people look at me and they're like, isn't that hard to like live so far away from your family? And I'm like, yes, it's hard, but like, I'm so career driven and I, I love what I do so much that it's okay. And I just kind of have to make, um, it a priority to keep in touch with those people because they are so important to me. And just because I live in Idaho doesn't mean like I don't want to keep in touch with everyone I've met along the way, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I love what you said about Instagram too, because it is so easy. It's like, let's yeah. be honest. Most of us are hanging out there a fair amount of time anyway. So you might as well sure. connect with the people that you've worked with or that you've crossed paths with in the industry. And then just like genuinely engage in their content. Like, Hey, congratulations on your new gig at Nike. Like hope things are going well. Like all I it do takes that, is yeah. that little thing that goes yes. so far. Yes. And even things like, um, my one friend, uh, moved out to Portland and I saw that she was going to pit stop in like the Yellowstone area on her drive out from Baltimore. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you're going to be so close to me. Like we have to meet up. Yeah. And so I like met up with her on her way out to her new job. Cause she was like coming through the area. Um, so just like kind of making sure those things still happen so you yeah. can stay connected with people. Yeah. The industry is so small, so it is, you I just know. gotta, you know, Never talk poorly of anyone and try to stay connected with everyone and 
yeah, you'll be good. <laughs> yeah, because ch- there's a good chance your next job is going to come through one of those people. Yeah, or you're going to work with someone who had worked with someone that you knew, and, <laughs> you know, you just never know. So I know, I know. Um, so what is your role now at Climb? And you've been there for about two years or so? Yeah, so three years this past September. Oh, okay. I've been here, so okay. um, three years. So I got promoted from designer to senior designer about a year and a half in. Okay. Um, so I'm now a senior designer, and I own the whole motorcycle and off-road collections here. Okay. Um, so I'm like the design lead for motorcycle gear. And how did that promotion come about? Um, <laughs> kind of the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was the same way. It was kind of like I knew the progression that I had started on so far. Like I knew how long it took me to go from assistant designer to designer. So I knew how long, like kind of gave me a benchmark for like, okay, I want to make that happen again. So um, that's kind of what I did. I like benchmarked like, hey, if I can be a designer here for a year and then get promoted, then it'll show that about every year to a year and a half since I started my career, I've been able to get a promotion. So it's kind of more just like a benchmark for myself of like, I want to be able to say that I did this. Yeah. Um, so I sat my boss down and I'm like, hey. The same boss know, from I, Under Armour. <laughs> same boss. I was like, hey, you know, I'm owning the whole motorcycle line. I feel like I'm becoming a professional in this space. And, you know, I feel like I deserve this. And it was kind of the same situation. He's like, yeah, let's make it happen. So. I love that. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about, like, I mean, clearly you're, you're very, very driven. You're a very hard worker. You want to do the best possible. I think that's just in your nature. But, um, and this is something I, I talk a lot about too, is that, you know, when you're an intern, like do the most exceptional job possible. What are the little things you can do to go above and beyond to stand out and yeah. make those connections and make people notice you and remember you? And not just when you're an intern. I mean, that's to get your foot in the door, but like throughout the rest of your career. Um, and, and I share plenty of examples, but I'm curious for you in particular, what are some of those little things that you might do on a day-to-day basis in your in whatever role you're in that show like why you're such a hardworking employee and you're the one that deserves to stay or get promoted um, or you know what get the get the next opportunity that comes up? What do you think some of those things are? Um, I think the. The main things that I would say are um, don't just do a job, like do it, do it well. Like I think I've definitely tried to strive to like hit every deadline, but I won't sacrifice the quality of the work in order to do that. Like there's this balance you have to have of like, okay, if I don't get color handed off by this date, then my lab just won't get started on time. But if I don't give them clean information, then my lab tips might be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think it's a lot of just making sure that you pay attention to like every detail. And like for me doing technical gear, I have to be that problem solver that I was talking about. And I I it's hard. It's a really hard job because everybody has an opinion and you get shut down a lot. I think bouncing back from critique is like another huge thing. Cause you ha- like, as a designer, you're, you know, you're going into a career where you're going to get critiqued every day. It's a creative <laughs> field and you have to be able to like manage that and like take critique well and learn how to like utilize that information, like good or bad to like do better the next time. And I think I've done a really good job of like doing that. So, um, plus I, I just, I kind of am one of those do whatever it takes people. Like 
I do work late a lot. I'm not saying you should. You have to have a good work-life balance. Um, but I, I do kind of always go over above and beyond on hopefully everything. But, you know, to a point, though, you have to make sure you don't drain yourself out. Um, I think that was one of the things that started happening to me at Under Armour is I was draining myself out. Like, I was working too much and too hard sometimes. So there's definitely a balance there. <laughs> Um, because once you start to get too drained, you start to lose the passion for what you're doing and then you're not doing it as well. And then you yeah. start to get like a, I don't care attitude or, and I don't, I try really hard not to let myself get to that point. Cause then I know like the quality of my work is going to suffer if I start to like not care. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's, it's been really hard. I think just managing the work-life balance as best as you can. And, um, kind of for me, it's also been like, become a professional in whatever you're doing. And I think that's kind of helped me in my promotions as well. Like make yourself do something so well that they can't afford for you to not do that job, right? Like you have to make yourself valuable in that space. Like if you show that you're a professional at this specific niche category, then it'll be hard for them to like let you go or to try to like hire someone else. Like you just have to become a professional in that thing. Um, and that will, kind of help keep your value to the company. What are some of the things that you've done to air quotes, like be that professional? Um, participate in the activity. I think for climb specifically. Um, so I, I grew up riding dirt bikes a little bit, not much, but a little bit. And then my mom made me choose between that and volleyball. So I chose volleyball, <laughs> but my brother raced motocross and stuff. My dad used to race. So I grew up around him. Um, so when I came out here, like I knew I had already liked participating but it was, I got back into it right away. I like two weeks after I came out here, I rebought a dirt bike and started riding again. And then when I got put on motorcycle, um, I think for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to be designing this technical motorcycle gear, but unless I'm on a motorcycle and experiencing what this gear does, I'm not going to be able to do it well. So I bought a motorcycle, got what? my motorcycle bike. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, you totally yeah. did. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, and it was it was things as simple as like vent placements. Like you can tell me where to put this vent, or I can go ride a motor, like cut up a jacket, go get on a motorcycle, ride down the road, and find out for myself where I should put these vents. Yeah. And I think so. That was one of the things I did like immediately to make myself valuable. Was just like participate, like get out in the field, do the things you're designing for, so you know how to do it well. Um, but yeah, so I, I bought a motorcycle, and now I'm like on it every day. So. You do you ride it to yeah. work? I do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is your, was yeah. your husband excited or nervous? Yeah. So he's <laughs> never ridden a dirt bike or anything in his life, but I got him into both. So now he also rides. Oh my gosh. Look at you guys are so yeah. adorable. I love this. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But I think it was just like important to me that if I'm going to be the designer, like I need to be able to decide for myself what makes the best product. I didn't want like a group of experienced guys that ride motorcycles telling me what I have to do. I was yeah. like, this isn't going to work out. Like I need to know I need, you need to have confidence in me to be able to do this without your input. So I, I, yeah, I needed to experience it for myself. And that's kind of what made me a more of a professional in that specific category. Which, yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. And so, um, do you do hiring now and do you interview potential designers to work for climb? Yeah. So my boss, um, includes me in the interviewing processes and 
he's always asking like if we have an open position like hey do you know anyone from a past job or do you know somebody that would you know be interested in this position um and then he'll let me take part in the interviewing process so I do interview people now for potential like design and graphic design positions for us so Um, yeah I would love to hear you talk a little bit about I mean we talked about you being on on the candidate side of the table but I would love now you're on the other side of the table where you have the opportunity to then hire those people so I'd love to hear you know what you kind of look for and like even whether it's picking someone from a past job that you're like oh yes this person would be great because um, you know what were some of the qualities and the things that you liked about them Um, or you know if you're maybe bringing someone in fresh that you have never met before like what are you looking for in, in some of those candidates? Uh, I think for me, like the first thing I'll look for is just like passion and cultural fit, because I Mm. think passion is what's going to get you to do your job well. And then like, I don't know, making sure you're a cultural fit will get you to stay. Cause I think if people come to a place or a new company and they're just like, this is not the place for me. Like I don't, you know, it's hard. They don't stay. So I think those are the first two things. Um, and then, and then skill set, of course, but, uh, making sure like they have a basic knowledge and like the programs that we use, because you have to be able to jump into these positions pretty quickly and be pretty, um, just be, be able to manage yourself. Like when you come into a small company, especially everybody's busy because they all have their category they're working on. So just somebody that's extremely driven and passionate because I think, especially for an industry like snowmobiling and motorcycle gear, um, having that basic knowledge already of like riding will help you like just jumpstart you a little bit quicker so those are probably the two main things because culturally, if you don't like the area, like I'm like, hey, like, what do you think about Idaho? <laughs> like, you know, like if you're a city person, like this is never going to work out for you no matter yeah. how bad you want this job. So um, those are probably the two things I look for mainly. And then just like if you can just get thrown into the programs that we use or whether or not you're going to take like like two days of training or like three weeks of training, like that's going to make a difference if we need you to start immediately, you know. And how um, do you, what are some of those programs and how do you determine their competency, whether they're going to need two days or three weeks? Yeah. So illustrator all day long, every day is yeah. I'm on it a hundred percent. Um, for our graphic designers, we look for like the Photoshop experience and, and things like that. Um, but illustrator for sure. Like if you already understand CAD programs and you can just start drawing, like I'll kind of throw out trigger words like, Oh, have you ever use live paint. Cause that's like one of the things we use for coloring our illustrations. Yeah. And if they're like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> like we can work. definitely teach you, but like, yeah, it's going to take a little bit more work to yeah. get you started and, and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, the biggest one's just like passion. Like if you're just applying for a job because you want a job in the apparel industry and you have no desire to actually design like technical writing gear, like this is not the place for you. <laughs> so what uh, if like my my background experience has nothing to do with this space, um, but I really want to get into it because I am a passionate writer. Like how would sure. I best present myself to you guys? Um, I think like as far as like the skill set might not be there, but the passion is. Yeah, is I mean, this, yeah, like you have the skill set, like you have the illustrator skill set, but like yeah. you don't have the skill set as far as like designing motorcycle gear, right? For the specific thing. Or like the technicality, like you might not understand the language of some of the pieces and the parts of the garment, but you, you know, you've got the base technology skill set, but you're yeah. super passionate, which I know you keep referencing. So I'm curious yeah, yeah. because I, I think that that so happens that, a lot, right? Yeah. So, but then it's like, 
it can be really hard to transition to a new category. So what would you look for? Or what would so I, I, how would could I best present myself? The person that you just described was like actually me because <laughs> I had never done motorcycle gear before and I had never ridden a motorcycle on the street before. And I got thrown into designing like thousand dollar motorcycle jackets. And yeah. I'm like, whoa. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, and, yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure that was me. But I think outside of like having the skill set and having the passion to do the projects, um, I was willing to, to throw myself into learning those things. Like if you had somebody that was like, I have no interest whatsoever in ever understanding a motorcycle or what it feels like to ride one, like that would be <laughs> difficult. But if you're like, Hey, I've never done this before and I don't know what it's like, but I totally want to learn. Then I think there's definitely some promise there. So um, and it also kind of depends on the department. Like I think for design, it's important that you experience it for yourself. But like as a technical designer or a developer, you probably don't need that as much. I think as long as your skill set's there, you can kind of adapt to to anything. But if you're going to be in a design position where you're actually problem solving for that category, you need to you need to be able to to know the lingo and know the how like the seat, different seating positions on different bikes, because it's going to affect the way, like the pockets, the angle of the pockets might be affected by like the angle you're sitting on a touring bike versus an adventure bike. And you have to want to throw yourself into those little details as the designer. Right. Cause those details are what make or break the product. And you have to be really, really excited and care about that to make sure it comes out right. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah, you're exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and those are the things I wanted to be able to understand and decide for myself. Like, no, like this, like pocket actually needs to go this angle because you're sitting more forward. And if, you know, if you try to use your pocket while you're sitting down on a touring bike, then, you know, and I wanted to be able to speak to those things like from my own experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be like, if I was interviewing someone, as long as they, they were willing to learn and they wanted to get to that point, I think it's doable for sure. Okay. Okay. I love that. I love that. Um, so what's next for you? Because it, if I'm not mistaken, based on the timeline, you're right about your year, year and a half. Like I should be ready for my next promotion. Yeah. What yeah. do you, what do you, can you share what you're thinking? Um, yeah, so I'm pretty open about it and I, I, I don't have plans right now. I'll say that much. I do really love working for a climb and I love the reward I get from designing the motorcycle gear and I'm not willing to part from that yet so I also love this area like I could live here definitely for a few more years if not at least five maybe we'll see but um there's just such a reward from designing gear that like actually saves people's lives I think that's like huge for me because I'll have people reach out to me because I've had a couple like articles written about me and like ADV writer magazine and stuff like that. So there's like people, the motorcycle industry itself is small. I imagine. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I'm finally getting to a point where like my name's getting out there and I made the first ever woman's adventure motorcycle kit. Um, and it was this whole campaign of designed by women for women because wow. I'm pretty sure to this day I might be like, one of the only female motorcycle designers, like for motorcycle gear. (laughs) My boss has worked for a few other motorcycle companies. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're the only one. (laughs) Um, So a lot of like female motorcycle gear right now is being designed by men. Um, So it was a huge deal that I did the women's kit and I got a lot of recognition for that, but I've had people reach out to me and they're like, 
hey, like I went down on my motorcycle going 65 miles per hour and I got up and walked away from it. Like your gear saved my life. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. I bet that feels phenomenal. Yeah. Like it's super rewarding. And I think I'm not ready to part from that yet. Like I love the feeling that I get from like, like, yeah, I'm designing, I'm an apparel designer, but like what I'm doing, it has such a purpose. Um, so I think that part of this job is so rewarding that I'm like, I could do this for a few more years. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, not just so. like clothes for the sake of beautiful clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I don't have a plan. I don't think I'll be here forever. Definitely. Um, I do want to experience other companies and move to other places. And I'm like, I, I'm one of those people that love change. I love, I love moving and I love different places and change. So I don't, I don't, I'm not going to stay here forever, but I do currently think I'm happy in the role that I'm in doing what I'm doing. So we'll give it maybe three or five more years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe a, a, another promotion to like design director or I don't know what the next tier after that senior designer is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Senior designer for maybe another, like go back to maybe a larger company and kind of take on a senior designer role where I would be able to like manage, um, like assistant designers, the whole department. I think that yeah. would probably, yeah, because this climb's too small right now for me to have like an assistant designer. Gotcha. Although I could use one <laughs> for sure, based on the workload. But, I'm sure, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But I think like definitely taking on a role where I would have like a team of designers that I would manage would be like my next hope. Um, and then design director or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll get there. I'm sure we'll hear about it. I can't wait to, to discover what's next in your ever evolving career that you have created for yourself. It's, you know, know. you mentioned luck, but like, I don't, I don't think it's luck. I mean, everything you've done has been very intentional and you've worked very hard and the opportunities that presented themselves, you were ready for, and you took action to make them happen. So Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. I think it's cool knowing that I was able to get senior designer level by age of 27. Like, I think that's accomplishing what I wanted to do at first. So I'm I'm pretty pleased so far with with how it's worked out for me. Yeah, as you should be, as you should be. Um, Well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for sharing your story. Where can people connect with you if they want to say hi? Yeah, so um, I am active on Instagram, and I also share a lot of my motorcycle trips um, on there. So if people want to follow, like, my moto adventures, that would definitely be a place to go. What's the handle? Uh, Yeah, so it's Kelsey Ann underscore 10. Um, And I, I, yeah, I share a lot of my, like, work experiences. I'm actually traveling to Milan, Italy in two weeks for a motorcycle show up there. Um, and then I get to do some inspiration shopping in Paris for a few days before I head back. So trying to understand like the European market a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I'll be like posting about all that stuff. So if anyone wants to reach out to me about career stuff or anything. Yeah. Okay, perfect. We'll link to that in, in the show notes for everyone to connect with you on Instagram. Um, and then I would love to end the interview with the question I ask everybody at the end of the show. Sure. And that is, what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? Ooh. Man, that is a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just... Um, I think you kind of asked me a lot of the stuff I wish people would ask me more. It's just kind of like, what do I need to do and like to get to a position that I'm in? Because I think a lot of people don't understand like how much it takes to get to this position. 
Um, so just kind of, I'm, I am a total open book about like how I got here and things like that and how hard I had to work. And I, I think you've asked me a lot of stuff. I wish people would ask me more. Um, and then just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would, I encourage anyone who is considering to do apparel design to just go for it. Um, and just like do what I did and just kind of like try to pick your path early on and then just like don't give up. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Cause it is doable <laughs> and it works it out. Is. So. But you, like you, like your path has kind of proven you, you found your sort of niche market, you know, you kind of discovered the hunting and fishing through your internship at, um, Under Armour. And then that led to some other stuff, but like you found yeah. that and then you got hyper-focused and very intentional, not just on that market, in that category, but on like the little actions that you took to make that happen, like sending your pages to the printer in their department, having those conversations. And then once you left the internship, pinging Dave, was his name Dave? Is his name Dave? Right? Your boss? No. Oh, Robert. Robert. I don't know why I thought Dave. Pinging Robert Robert in between your internship and graduation, like just to say hi, asking for the promote, like all the little things you very proactively intentionally did. Um, so, I mean, you really made it happen. And so I, I do love that you are so excited to nerd out and talk about this stuff as much yeah, as I absolutely. am. <laughs> I think what I wish people would ask more too, is just like, what else is there with an apparel design degree that yeah. I can do? Cause I think that probably, I, yeah, it just came to me. So I think that's probably the biggest one because when you say you're going to school for fashion or you're going to be an apparel designer, I think people immediately kind of go to like high fashion designer in New York city. Like, yeah. I think that's kind of the kind of stereotypical fashion designer role. Um, and I do think that I did a good job of why do I need to do that? Like there are other options in this where I can be creative every day and I can design apparel, but I can do it in a way that works better for me and my lifestyle, um, and where I want to want to live. Cause I, there's only a select amount of places in the country where that have like these companies you can work for as an apparel designer. So you, I think being willing to move around and be open to different places is huge. But yeah, just kind of like what else is there besides the stereotypic fashion designer would probably be like what I would like want people to ask me. Yeah. And I love that too, because it's, you made the comment earlier in the interview about how, you know, going into the hunting and fishing department, it was like, well, there wasn't a ton of people like clawing their way to get into that door necessarily. (laughs) And so it's like, you could pick this interesting niche that you're really excited about and then pair it with apparel and fashion. And that it could almost be like, of course, then combined with a tremendous amount of hard work, like you've put forth, but that can be the interesting golden ticket than rather going after the stereotypical runway job that like every other person in the fashion world's going after. Yes. And I don't think picking the path like I did or like to start off can't lead to something else in the future. Like if you still want to get into runway and all, and all of that, like you, you still can, I Uh think picking a path like I did to get your career jump started, um, and to become successful early on so that you can like take the time and money that it takes to kind of do those more, um, I don't dream jobs, I guess. Like I still could see myself going into a category where it is just more like trendy and fashion. Um, but for right now, like this is awesome and it's getting me going and I, you know, I've been successful and I, I love what I do. And I think like there's always opportunities to change that path in the future, but I just think being open to like these kinds of positions is important. 
Um, and don't like fight blending things that you love together. So I love that. that. Well, thank you so, so much, Kelsey, for sharing your story and all the great tips and advice and congratulations on your career trajectory. It is phenomenal and very well deserved at the same time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to my husband, Mark, who does all of the tech and editing behind the scenes and makes the show possible. And thank you so much to Tara, my right-hand gal, who helps me keep SFD up and running and does so much support and coordination for the podcast. This is a lot of work we put into this show, getting the show notes together, coordinating the guests, and Tara really helps me with a tremendous, tremendous amount of that. So thank you, Tara. You are amazing. And as always, thank you to each of you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And as a quick last reminder, SFD is way more than just a podcast. To get access to my best free resources to help you get ahead in the fashion industry, head on over to soheidi.com slash email. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash email. Or give me a follow on Instagram if email is not your thing. I hang out there at soheidi as well. And last, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes wherever you're listening. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in the next successful fashion designer podcast episode.